This is Salt to Taste, a podcast about extraordinary food and the people behind it. Brought to you by Panna, the cooking app that gives you step-by-step video recipes from master chefs. In this episode, you'll hear from Eastern North Carolina pit master Sam Jones. Sam Jones's family has been making whole hog barbecues since the 1830s, when his great-great-great-grandfather started selling smoked pork out of a covered wagon. Sam is the owner of Sam Jones Barbecue and the Skylight Inn. Here's your host, David Elner, CEO and founder of Panna. The softball is Sam Jones, and we are at Skylight Inn Barbecue, made in North Carolina. But you like to say Eastern. Yeah. Well, in North Carolina, when you say North Carolina, people automatically think of Charlotte and Raleigh because it's the two major cities in North Carolina. Nobody thinks of Eastern North Carolina. And so I always guide people to ask when I when they say, where are you from? I'm like, where is Skylight Inn? It's Aiden, North Carolina. Where is that? Exactly. And I make them ask. I want them to know specifically where we're from. And to most people, there's probably nothing special about Eastern North Carolina, but it's home. I mean, they say it's like seven generations of pitmasters. This has been going on a long time. It has. Um, as far as the dates and people, is pretty hazy, to be right honest with you. And I'm a pretty honest guy, and so if, if I can't put my hand on it and I can't prove it, I don't preach it. 1949 is a number that I can place because that was when our family opened this restaurant that we're sitting at. But as you get a little further back, uh, really all you can see is census records. And outside of it being a family lure, a, a story, there's no way to really prove it. So I'm guessing maybe I, I quit preaching out of that book a few years ago because I don't know who did what when once you get back prior to really 1900s. Has the menu changed much? People like to say that Skylight's always done the same thing, and we really have, really since the early 60s. The stuff we're cooking today with you, that we're gonna cook with you, that's the stuff that's been around for like the, almost 60 years. The main trio, so the pork, slaw, cornbread, is the Skylight Inn mainstay. In its early years, when Skylight opened, I mean, you imagine a 17-year-old kid running anything. Sounds like a mess. I'm talking about just a Pearl Harbor. That was you. And that was my grandfather. My grandfather opened at 17 years old. And even today, it's a bare-bones barbecue joint. But in its early days, it was very much bare-bones, as in no air condition, screen doors. That was the Skylight Inn of 1947. Old school. I mean, the name is a little interesting, Skylight Inn Barbecue. Once upon a time, there was an airstrip on the same tract of land that this restaurant is on, which was the original family farm. Some local guys had single-engine aircraft. They flew for recreation. Uh, my grandfather had his pilot's license at one time, and one of the guys coming in to land when the restaurant was under construction, one of the guys came down, he was actually my great-uncle, and asked my grandfather, was he going to put a skylight in the restaurant? And Skylight in. Skylight in. I, Skylight in. I guess when you're 17, it sounded pretty cool. Did you ever work the smoke? What do they call it? The pit? What's, what the cookhouse is what we call them. Um, growing up, my Uncle Jeff was probably who taught me more about cooking hogs than anybody did. 
And whole hog, that's like a, that's a specific thing for here, isn't it? It is. Um, unfortunately, not anymore. Either the places that do it like it should be done, which is whole hog over wood, are getting fewer and fewer in numbers. And what I learned today is, I mean, there's nothing on this meat. No, it's unbastardized. I don't think my grandfather had a platform by which he was going to run his business when he opened in 1947. He was trying to make a dollar. Where is Sam Jones if he's going to stray from the flock? Well, and I'll answer that directly and in a roundabout way too. I don't think there's no such thing as the best barbecue because it's literally defined in, in some states by community, not even by region how you grew up, what, how you were raised, and what experiences you had with that food is what makes it special to you. Myself, I was raised on whole hog, so that's what I think barbecue is. Wayne Miller out in Taylor, Texas, is a historian I and mine are very similar as we're both third generations. We both hated it in our youth, and then we both returned to it, and now don't understand any other way of life. What brought you back? I looked at this place out of the wrong set of spectacles. To me, my family, we grew up having to work. I didn't look at this place any different than if I was working in a factory. It was just a job. How does it switch to a lifestyle? Well, and I never finished college, but while in school, I was tasked with writing a paper and in an effort to do the least amount of work possible, I said, well, I'm gonna write it on barbecue. So in asking my dad and my granddad some dates and people's names and things that I probably at that age should have already known about our family. When I started to compose that thing, I, I realized that it wasn't just a job to those guys. They didn't dread coming to work. Now I'm sure there were days that sucked, but it was something that had been a part of our family for long before I was thought about. It was ingrained in our fiber. But so was that paper. And in the interview, you kind of got the sense, wait a minute, I might have been looking at this through the wrong lens. Exactly, it was all about perspective. At that point in time, I realized, and my grandfather was not that guy that just because you were family doesn't mean you got treated any different than anybody else. So I did the same work everybody else did for the same money. It was just kind of randomness that some things fell on my shoulders. This being Sam Jones was something that evolved. Back then, I was the guy that made the coleslaw. I was the guy that made me baking cornbread or washing the darn dishes if they needed to be washed. There was not this barbecue man that people know. So where's the break come? I heard a man say one time that uh, they were talking about success and said so much of it was luck. And he said, well, I found that the harder I work, the luckier I get. How does it start to snowball for you? The very beginning, the birth would be the Southern Foodways Alliance, uh, who John T. Edge is the director of Southern Foodways Alliance. And the Southern Foodways Alliance is based at the University of Mississippi in Oxford. Okay. And they promote, explore, and essentially define Southern food and its culture. That's awesome. So what did they do? They called and said, we're going to send a man down there for three or four days to shoot a short film on y'all and Joe York was the filmmaker's name and he came down and spent, it was three or four days with us and when you spend all day every day with somebody for four days, you get to know 
you get to know him, you have some conversations, and uh, he shot the film. And when he left, I didn't think anything about it. And the following summer, John T. Edge reached out once again and said, um, SFA is gonna be involved with the Big Apple Barbecue Block Party, and we're gonna showcase this film at the festival in the afternoons at our tent, and we'd like to have you up as a guest to just after the film's over, do a little question and answer with the people viewing it. And uh, I said, I'm sure I'll be glad to go. And I walked around starstruck to some extent. That's awesome. Uh, still got pictures on my home computer of these guys who now I'm great friends with, looking at them like they were a larger than life barbecue character only to realize that they were just people. The fall of that same year, I got a call from John T and he said, would you, be willing to come to Charleston Wine and Food and cook a pig. We want to show this film and some pair some chefs up with you. And we feature you and honor you and your family at this dinner at Charleston Wine and Food. Yeah, and but I was just as green as I could be and very naive. Well, I didn't fully appreciate what I was being asked to do. Honest to God, and we talk about this now that we're all friends, but I agreed to do it with no intentions of going to do it. I thought between September and February, yeah, I'll come up with something that I'm not going down there doing that because I was scared. And then a gentleman by the name of Nick Pahakas, who is a partner with Jim and Nick's Barbecue and Fresh Hospitality, they were hosting at one of their restaurants in Charleston this event. And he had called me and I had made up some BS excuse why I didn't think I was going to be able to go. And then he got broke it right down for me, about the second or third call. And he said, uh, what's, the, what's the hold up? And I made this excuse and, and, and I said, I believe my wife is gonna be having a little operation that day. He said, two months from now? Oh, you either know or you don't know. And I said, I, he called me out and I said, well, Mr. Packers, and I didn't know him any more than I knew you when we sat down to talk. I said, well, Mr. Pahakas, it's one thing for you to think I'm a damn fool. I said, that's a whole different animal for me to drive to Charleston and prove you right. <laughs> and he, he did the same thing you're doing. He busted out laughing. And he said, man, just bring your honey into Charleston. He said, I'm pretty confident you can pull this off. And so we went and did the event. And I'm working that night. And I didn't even appreciate it. But Sean Brock, Donald Link, Stephen Trajewski, Ryan Pruitt, Drew Robinson. All these guys are on the line. Oh, they're on the line. And then my big old fat redneck headed self standing in the corner down there to chop the pork. And I remember we brought this pig in on a tray and the film had just ended. We opened the front doors of the restaurant and it's right on King Street and we come in with that pig on our shoulders and they stood at their feet, these people that had paid 150 or 200 bucks a ticket. And they were applauding. Applauding. It's and like you walked in with the Super Bowl trophy. The day after, I thought, well, yeah, we've been cooking pigs in Aiden, North Carolina for a long time to absolutely no applause. <laughs> but that led to me being with those guys who are now part of a, a collective, the, the Fatback Collective. But that event, cracked the door to something else, it cracked the door to something else, and this Sam Jones guy that everybody thinks is a big deal in the barbecue world, I'm just a guy 
that didn't, I'm not doing anything different than my family did, except I've tried to be a constant student. And these opportunities of being able to travel and see things that otherwise I would be living the same life that my grandfather did in a small box, not realizing that anybody cared. No one appreciates what you're doing. And now that I'm able to go do these events and you get instant almost gratification, an instant return on the investment of your time and energy by the smiles on people's faces, by people saying how, well, my grandfather used to cook pigs that way. And I say, so did mine. We just didn't stop. So I'm curious what it's like now that you've traveled around a lot. You've been all over the place, right? How do you look at home? Has it changed your view of the way you look at where you're from? Well, it's had to because you, you've been, maybe exposed is not the correct word, but you've been exposed to things that you otherwise would not have been. And so it changes your perspective. It may change your way of thinking, your views on some extent, because so many times people think that there has to be a right and a wrong and that's it. And that's always not the case. Because, and I'll sit in a conversation with people who do not travel that are from our little box. And they're not wrong either. Right. They're just not exposed. And so seeing every place you've been, this is home and it's where you choose to be. Um, this is home. I love home. And in my mind, being able to travel and do an event that carries our brand, I look at it, it carries an extension of my family to parts of the country that nobody in my family has ever been to. So those in my family that are dead and gone, that at one time did something in this business, I feel like I'm doing something good for them. I feel like I'm doing something good for my community. Because who would know where Aiden, North Carolina is if that big barbecue trailer won't pulling up in Madison Avenue in about three weeks. You got any stories where it all went wrong? Oh. My first year at Big Apple Barbecue. So I was invited for the first time to Big Apple, I think, in 2012. At that time, and even now, you don't have the staff. You can't afford to pay the staff all the time that you would need to carry with you to Big Apple and your restaurant still be able to stay open at home. So what I did was I sent some text messages to some college buddies. So um, you got these civilians. Yeah, I said, uh, got an opportunity to do this festival. You know, it's the big time. And I can't fuck this up. Right. I said, it won't cost you a dime. You can come spend a weekend in New York. You're going to have to work a little bit. But I cared enough people that nobody really had to work a lot. And you'd have a night or an evening to go see the city. But here was the disastrous part is we get up there and I am so on edge. And when I say on edge, I'm a little bit of I'm a little bit of a perfectionist on some fronts, and then I'm a hot mess on some others. I had this strategic plan laid out. I mean, on a spreadsheet of products going to be delivered by this time. We're going to stage these hogs in intervals of going on, so they'll be coming off in intervals tomorrow. And we got to have slaw made by this. And I mean, that weekend, a tropical storm came up the east coast. And just, when I say rain, I'm talking about being in Vietnam rain. Poor. 
I mean, as far as in the movie Jeez. Forrest Gump, it's coming from everywhere. And so that put all the food supplies and vendors behind. So you're standing on the edge of the curb in water about calf deep. One of my buddies walked up to me and he's one of two people that I know that call me Sambo. And he walked over to him and put his arm around me and he said, Sambo, you know, I love you. He said, but there's two things I can't stand. He said, one of them to be cold and the other one's to be wet. He said, and right now, I've got cold water just running down the crack of my ass and I gotta go. And we had the, probably some of the best weather that, that festival's ever had because it was cool. It was clear as a bell. We managed to get our product cooked and so it had a rocky beginning, but a happy ending. And I, we got high marks from all the media, you know, with it being our first year. There were so many people that said their best bite was at Skylight's booth and all these things that, you know, stroke your ego a little bit. And especially after you sit there and you struggled. So many times people measure wealth by the wrong things, by money. That's the cheapest thing to measure wealth with. Time is the most expensive thing we have. It's the only thing that you have in your life that you cannot get more of. Did that whet your appetite? Head over to panacooking.com or download our app. Up next on Salt to Taste. Yeah, I guess it was less typical to be a restaurateur so young because I opened Contramar 19 years ago. Wow. And I was really, so I was like, I was a baby. Like I was in, I was like 16, exactly. This episode was produced and mixed by Misha Youssef with help from Stephanie Rausch. 